0: Colleagues, welcome to part two of Matthew Carpenter.
1: I have a brownie. You have a brownie.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, all of a sudden, you have a brownie.
1: Just pop down over it. That's
0: right. Brownie. Um, no, my brother's dog, uh, Billy, the Yorkie.
1: The Yorkie.
0: Yeah, and Yorkshire Terriers are pretty small dogs, and he oh. ate a bunch of raisins one time. Oh no! Yeah, I think my brother, like, fed him raisins without realizing that it was a it's, problem. It's
1: always that. It's something never like, like that. it's never like a dog just happening upon the raisins. Oh, yeah. It's the owner going, here's death. Do you want some treats? But they, but Do you you want, they don't know.
0: You want some treats? Some death treat. <laughs> anyway, so his wife, um, like, freaked out. I think they they gave him something to throw up or something like that. So, actually, this might defeat my thesis that raisins aren't actually too bad for dogs, because I think he threw them up, so I don't actually know. Um, but I'm pretty sure Henry's had raisins before. He eats, I mean, he eats a lot of Maybe your dog is just built different, He's brother. He's built different. <laughs> He's also big. I think that, like, a couple raisins. Fair.
1: I had a little rat terrier growing up, dog. and um, the first, literally the first thing I did is feed her m ms Oh, yeah, good. You know, and then my parents were like, "No." And but even like, that, she
0: probably just pooped a little bit more than than normal.
1: Well, there was one time I don't want to get into it, but we came back from a trip, and we had to <laughs> steam clean a lot Everything. of carpet. For similar. Yeah.
0: Reasons. That's a rough one, man. I don't know, like dogs who are incontinent.
1: Is that a word? Well, most dogs are incontinent. That's so funny, man. If you're with the dog in the same continent. That is so funny.
0: (laughs) Incontinence, is
1: that where you lose control of your bowels? I honestly don't know.
0: I have to look it up. What
1: does the Google say?
0: Yeah. Hey, Siri. Define incontinence.
1: Incontinence means lack of voluntary control over
0: urination or defecation. Do you want to hear the remaining one? No. I was right. (laughs) Thanks, Siri. You're the man.
1: The best part was the accent.
0: Yeah. She's Irish.
1: This is a total pivot, but I was reading something today, and I'd love to hear your thoughts on it. Okay. What would you say the difference is between God's grace and God's mercy?
0: Well, I mean, I think the classic answer is mercy is restraining judgment, uh, restraining deserved judgment for sin, and grace is granting um, blessing when not deserved.
1: Mm.
0: I mean, that's certainly a definition that I've heard before, probably said a little more eloquently.
1: I say they still sound pretty similar, though.
0: They do, but one is a neg like one is a a negative, and one is a positive. I mean, they're both obviously mm-hmm. positive things for us, but one mm-hmm. is a one is a restraint, and one is a uh, provision. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I. I don't know that I could point to specific scripture off the top of my head to defend that uh, answer, though.
1: I mean, there's there's Titus. Um, sure is. There is, yes, there's the book of Titus. But there's Titus where it says he saved us not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his mercy. Okay, sure. So there's that. He, he has saved us. He has shown us, or not just shown us, but he has saved us by sheer mercy. Yeah. Right? We were sinners, but he showed mercy grace um, it reminds me of Ephesians 2 where it says God wants to show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness towards us mm. in Christ Jesus where um, grace is also a disposition where, okay. where mercy is God's action grace is also his action at times where we are chosen and saved by grace, right to the praise of his glorious grace. But at the same time, it's also there's element of his disposition, where he's gracious, where in um, where Moses asked God to show him his glory, and he said, "I'll pass my goodness before you," mm. and he said, "I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and I will have mercy, or I will show mercy to whom I will have mercy." And so he makes a distinction, but it's all rooted in his goodness, or connected to his goodness.
0: Well, certainly, um, the one I immediately thought of was uh, First Peter, which I think uh, Romans has a similar introduction. Oh, wow. Peter, huh? Yeah, and I can't imagine why. Because <laughs> um, like grace, grace is also something he, he grants us. I mean, like, we get grace. Mm -hmm. So, like, uh, Romans 1, uh, 1 through 5. Uh, Paul, a bondservant, called as an apostle, set apart for the gospel, which he promised beforehand through his prophets and holy scriptures concerning his son, who was born of a descendant of David, according to the flesh? Who was declared the Son of God with power by the resurrection of the, from the dead, according to the Spirit of holiness, Jesus Christ, our Lord, through whom we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience. Mm. Um, I mean, I, I think a lot of, and then uh, verse seven to all you who are beloved in, uh, of God in Rome, called a saints, grace to you in peace. So, like, obviously, Paul starts a lot of his letters by, you know, wishing grace on his hearers, but then in First Peter. Uh, the mercy side of things blessed be the God and Father of the Lord Jesus Christ who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again mm. um, so yeah like the mercy in that instance is well it is the gospel because uh, he goes on to talk about what born, being born again means and why it's important and what it gets us and right. who who guarantees it and uh, mm. But yeah, it seems like the the mercy in that instance is the mercy to um, certainly not overlook our sin, but pour judgment on a righteous recipient, <clears throat> so that we can be born again. Mm-hmm. Like that's the mercy, um, not not dealing with us according to our sin, right? But according to Jesus's action on the cross, and then the grace is. It seems, I don't know, like in verses like Romans, it seems like the grace is, is a particular kind of sustaining work um, through which he he, he allows us to, to carry on in faith.
1: Right, where the Lord tells Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. Mm-hmm. Um, my power is made perfect in your weakness. Um, so there's a sustaining element to his grace. There's a sovereign Will attached to his grace, where he chooses us before the foundation of the world, Ephesians one, to the praise of his glorious grace. Oh yeah. Um, and then his mercy, it's so funny. His his mercy and grace are so similar, but they are distinct. And there's there's even God's what we would call God's common grace, mm-hmm. right? The the fact that there are sinners on your street, like you and I, but unregenerate sinners on this street who have houses
0: yeah and food to eat
1: food to eat clothes to wear
0: and are enjoying their
1: life and enjoying their life and it's similar to what uh, the psalmist says in Psalm 145 um, where verse 8 says uh, or verse 9 says the Lord is good to all and his mercy is over all that he has made um and it 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 goes on uh to talk about through all of his works his mercy is shown. I, I think even Jesus makes reference to the fact that um you know, even that we should be merciful because uh even even the Father gives good gifts mm-hmm. to ungrateful humanity gives rain Mm -hmm. and sunshine and so we should be merciful to others as well Um, so grace both both mercy and grace are in the category of things that are undeserved yes but there there's differences there's distinctions that scripture makes between them where mercy would be the foregoing of punishment but at the same time, mercy is also the giving of good gifts. Yet at the same time, grace is not just the foregoing of punishment, but the grace is the bestowing of something positive as well. And the grace of strength and the grace of position and privilege by being brought into the family of God. Yeah. For by grace you have been saved through faith. So, I don't know. I, I was reading A.W. Pink's... Um, attributes of God today and it was talking about the mercy of God but the one of the first things he brought up was like so what makes the mercy of God different from the grace of God mm. did
0: he answer that
1: he did and if I had brought my book in from my car I could
0: Matthew quote it
1: right now I mean you could just probably you should, you, edit it out you should go get it I'll, I'll, I'll go grab it yeah. All
0: right. we'll be right back ladies and gentlemen Let's he's see. back with his book people
1: I'm back there's some highlights I have here He says, the mercy of... Oh, yeah, okay, so... He says, wherein differs the mercy of God from his grace? The mercy of God has its springs in the divine goodness. The first issue of God's goodness is his benignity, or bounty, by which he gives liberally to his creatures as creatures. Thus he has given being and life to all things. In other words, the first evidence of mercy is the fact that we have life, mm-hmm. right? The second issue of God's goodness is his mercy, which denotes the ready inclination of God to relieve the misery of fallen creatures. Thus, mercy presupposes sin. Hmm. So he talks about the general... Can you read
0: that sentence again?
1: Uh, the last one? Yeah. He said... Uh, the second issue of God's goodness is His mercy, which denotes the ready inclination of God to relieve the misery of fallen creatures. Mm. Thus, mercy presupposes sin. Right. Um, so, mercy, showing mercy to others, is not just a disposition, but it is a willingness to take action to change or relieve the misery. Mm-hmm. of someone in distress who obviously doesn't deserve it. Right. Which is all of us. So there's a general mercy of God, which is extended not only to all men, believers and unbelievers, but also just to the entire creation. And that's from Psalm five nine. He giveth to all life and breath and all things from Acts 17. Then there's a special mercy of God, which is exercised towards the children of men, helping uh, helping them notwithstanding their sins. To them he also communicates all the necessities of life, for he maketh the sun to rise on the evil and the good, and sends the rain on the just and the unjust. And thirdly, there is a sovereign mercy, which is reserved for the heirs of salvation, hmm. which is communicated to them in a covenant way through the mediator. Um... And he goes on to talk more about the mercy of God. One thing that I thought was fascinating near the end was that the mercy of God is even displayed in the judgment of the wicked at the end of all things. Oh, wow. Expound on that. Yeah, at first when he said it, I was like, all right, all right, all right, Pinky, what are you talking about here? The gist of it, I mean, I I guess I could read it, but the gist of it is this. God demonstrates his mercy towards the redeemed (sighs) Mm -hmm. by relieving their distress of getting rid of the unrepentant wicked. Wow. And that is mercy. And him being consistent with his justice all at the same time.
0: Yeah, I mean, without a consistency in justice, um, his mercy wouldn't be really quantifiable or definable. Like if if he weren't, if it weren't, if it's not mercy to his people and uh, judgment to the unrepentant, then the mercy itself is. It's not actually mercy it's just arbitrary because um, even if some people are saved but it's just by his own uh, whimsy <laughs> which doesn't describe God at all um, then that mercy is cheap it's not really it's not really mercy so I guess it makes I guess I if if that's even one it, well, an aspect of what he was talking about. I could I could certainly see that uh, that side of things and saying that the judgment at the end of time at the end of all things is is a demonstration of his mercy. That's really interesting. I don't think I've ever heard um, anyone argue for
1: that. Well, he he gets it from scripture. Yeah. I Psalm would hope one, so. One, Psalm one forty three twelve, where David prays, and of thy mercy, cut off mine enemies. Mm-hmm. And destroy all of them that afflict my soul, for I am thy servant. Sure, yeah. So David's appealing to God's mercy to cut off his enemies. To save him, yeah. To save him. Um,
0: so I guess in that, I don't know, because like in that context, it's. I don't know if there's a if there's a direct threat to me from someone else. I think the through line to say. Uh. Stopping them. Is mercy to me? I think that through line is easier than saying at the end of at the end of all things when God judges um, the unrepentant and wicked that that's mercy. Yeah. Um, not to say he's he's wrong, but I think that's a tougher a tougher
1: sell. Yeah, I, it's it's a um, it's a fine line we 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 dwelling. So On the one hand the commission we've been given by Christ is to go in the world and to make disciples, yeah. right? Paul says in 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 Acts that God is commanding everyone to repent, mm-hmm. right? To repent and believe uh, the gospel. And then you have, though in Revelation, which I'm sure you've, you've heard because Kenny quotes it a lot in sermons, um, Revelation 18, where it's the fall of Babylon and we, the saints, uh, say this about Babylon. Um, I believe, or is it? Yeah, it's Revelation 18. Where it says, the smoke from her Oh yeah. goes up forever and ever. Or is it 19? I think it's 19. I believe... Yeah. Yeah, so... Chapter 18 is the fall of Babylon, meaning the fall of, of the present world that we live in. And then in and Reve- in, in 19 it says, After this I heard what seemed to be a loud voice of a great multitude in heaven saying, Hallelujah, salvation and glory and power belong to our God, for his judgments are true and just. For he's judged the great prostitute who corrupted the earth with her immorality as an avenge on her the blood of his servants. Once more they cried out, Hallelujah, this smoke from her goes up forever. And ever. Mm. And so we, those who are redeemed by Christ's blood, will one day be rejoicing that his judgments are true. Um, And that, in and of itself, is an act of mercy that we will be in a new creation, as it says later in Revelation, where nothing impure is going to get through the gates. Right. That's what A- A.W. Pink is talking about. Um, it's not so much that we look for God's mercy now so much in that I want this bad guy to be done away with. Yep. If anything, right now, this is the season of Christ's gospel. It As long as today is today, right, awake. Mm-hmm. And and or as Paul would say, awake, O sleeper, you know, and arise and let Christ's light shine upon you, as in like, hey, uh, the night is far spent, right? No. The time is coming soon. Um, so that was fascinating to think about today. Like I never considered, not not that I never considered the difference between grace and mercy, but in particular, God's mercy in the judgment of the wicked.
0: Yeah, that's a tough thing to think about, to think through. Um, I think on a couple levels, the most obvious level being, um, I don't know, in normal everyday society, I think it's pretty well and thoroughly drilled into our heads that, um, you know, we're all good people Mm -hmm. and, uh, so the idea that the people of God will rejoice at the smoke uh, rising from the the dead corpse of mm. God's enemy, mm. uh, you know that's not that's it's not something that's in a secular psychology textbook or no. Nope. Um, so that's a tough. That's kind of a tough thing to think about. Insofar as as. Uh, You've in, you know, ingested at all, a a second worldview, which I think is hard not to. But then on another level, it's like, mm. considering your, your own wickedness, um, it can be tough to think that you're not going to be the one who's giving off the smoke.
1: Yeah, I think you're touching on a a a, a good point in that. You know, this was all stemming from a chapter on the mercy of God towards mm-hmm. undeserving sinners. Um, and the only reason that we're going to be rejoicing that God's justice is true, it's it's not because we're going to be like, wow, God was just to judge the, the ungodly, and he just gave us a pass. Right. That God's justice was good here, but God's justice kind of fudged He let it slide. Yeah, he, he swept that one under the rug. Right. You ever heard the term the divine dilemma?
0: I've heard the divine trilemma. Trilemma? Yeah.
1: I'm not familiar with trilemma. Okay, what's the dilemma? But the dilemma, the two, the dilemma, is the fact that God says I will by no means clear the guilty and I justify the ungodly. Okay, yeah. That's the dilemma. That's the dilemma. How does God in the same Bible, and even in the same Testament, like you can say this in the Old Testament and the New Testament, where God will say, I am the Lord the Lord, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love, forgiving iniquity, and will by no means clear the guilty. Yeah. This is is Hosea. Right, this is Hosea, this is Deuteronomy, this is the Psalms. Like this is this is all over the Old Testament, literal in the New Testament. The divine dilemma is how can God be just and yet also justify the ungodly? Yeah, where is it? Because the answer to that question helps us then go, how can we then praise God for his justice against the wicked?
0: Yeah, well I mean obviously the answer is Jesus the only right. yeah <clears throat> D-doy. D-doy. Um, <laughs> yeah and so <clears throat> the, yeah obviously he he's not sweeping anything under the rug no Jesus died our death for right us. um but <clears throat> it's still hard I mean it's it's hard to, to preach the gospel to yourself all the time mm-hmm. and remember that that's that's the reason you'll you'll you will stand in the judgment. Mm. Um, and won't we'll be blown away like chaff everyone. Yeah, we're, we're gonna be
1: like it doesn't it doesn't mention it in Romans or not Romans, Revelation nineteen, but I, there I, I, it wouldn't surprise me if there was a heightened sense of awareness of our own unworthiness as we sing Hallelujah, the smoke of her goes up from from her forever and ever. A heightened awareness of the fact that if not for the grace of God, I would be in that burning pile of rubble. Yeah,
0: but also a heightened understanding of the grace of God. Right. Like, there's not going to be any, like, self-doubt, or, you know, doubt. that like... No.
1: No, we're just going to be dumbfounded and amazed. Yeah. But totally secure right. in what Christ has done all at the same time.
0: Uh, let's go right now. I'm, just, I'm ready for... <laughs> Right. It sounds better than... <laughs> whatever this is we're doing (laughs) I gotta build a deck tomorrow I'd rather uh...
1: (laughs) yeah I've I've got to oh hey there's a little bug walking around my glass
0: nice you wanna pour some bourbon on I mean we can see what happens well only if you're gonna drink it I don't want you wasting wasting good
1: I mean I could just throw them onto the ground well done I'm going to be a man. I'm going to drink out of this thing. Do it. Get a little bit more of this. You're all
0: going to have more of the yellowstone. Don't well, don't shy away because there's not much left. I'm, not I'm a do.
1: wheat lad, so I'm not going to have that much. Okay. Because yeah. I drove here.
0: You sure did. And
1: I love the Lord. And I don't want to um, be controlled by anything other than the spirit.
0: <laughs> not to be confused with spirit.
1: Spirits. Yeah. Lower S.
0: Lowercase...
1: What are you thinking, brother?
0: Well, I, I got me thinking of the trilemma.
1: You unpack for me this trilemma.
0: Well, it's the problem of evil. Oh. Um, if God is all-powerful, uh, then why does he let sin happen? If God is all-good... Um, if God is all-powerful, then he He should stop evil. If God is all-good, um, then Uh, He he should also not let evil happen, so God can't be, either is not all-powerful or not all-good, because he can't be both. Mm. Uh, I was reading, um, I was reading, uh, what's the guy's name? Shoot. Uh, Erickson. uh, uh, It doesn't matter. I was reading Systematic Theology. What's the guy's name? Something Erickson.
1: I can't remember.
0: Yeah, you can't remember. Is it Leif Erickson? No. <laughs> um, but I was. it was a really interesting section on the problem of evil, and he kind of broke down a few different worldviews um, and talked through them, but that's, that's the basic, excuse me, that's the basic quandary.
1: Mm. Um, yeah. I think with that, I think one attribute... This, this goes actually back to the book I'm reading about the attributes of God. I think one attribute of God that is often overlooked is the patience of God. Mm. I think when we, get sure. to the, when we get to the problem of evil, I, I think we presuppose that, that God is obligated to act swiftly upon his, his righteous anger. When even the scriptures say that he's slow to anger. Yeah. Um, and Paul tells us in Romans 9, 22, he says, What if God, desiring to show his wrath and to make known his power... So we're talking about God's power here. Power mm-hmm. in what? ...has endured with much patience vessels of wrath prepared for destruction... In order to make known the riches of his glory for for vessels of mercy, which he has prepared beforehand for his glory. In other words, God is showing off by allowing evil.
0: Yeah, I certainly think that's true. Um, sorry, I'm trying to I'm trying to look up the trilemma so that I can actually say it articulately because I. Um...
1: Yeah, I perhaps I've understood misunderstood. No, or... no, 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 no,
0: you 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 understood it fine. I just wanted to um Oh, and you know what? I think I got it wrong. It's not the trilemma.
1: <gasps> Gasp. The audience gasps. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. Uh is it the I'm quad,
1: quad lemma No. Quintilem. As I was
0: saying, it I was like that's not actually a trilemma because it's really only his to it's, a, it's another. It's two just two things issue: his goodness or his power. The trilemma is God is either a lun- uh, liar, lunatic, or lord. That's the C.S. Lewis oh yeah, C.S. Lewis, Lewis quote. Yeah, yeah. liar, Lewis.
1: lunatic, or lord.
0: Yeah. Sorry, people, I'm an idiot. Um, <sighs> no, you're not. Yeah, but the so it's not a trilemma. It's just a, it's just a dilemma. It's if yeah. If there's evil in the world, and God can't be all good or all powerful. He might be all good but can't stop evil, or he might be all powerful and not good to stop it. And You see,
1: what I find totally fascinating about Romans 9 is that actually is God's long-suffering of evil is actually a demonstration of his power.
0: Yeah, it, it, I mean his goodness and his power are all are all wrapped up right. into one thing. It's
1: a false... It's a it, It's a false dichotomy. It really is. It,
0: I mean, obviously, it comes from a from a worldview that doesn't understand or want to understand a powerful God, um, and like we can't understand a powerful God. That's part of the problem. Right. Um, and so even in thinking about why is there evil in the first place at all. It's a tough thing to grapple with, and obviously you talk about the fall, and the, you know the the fall in Genesis, um, and from that, you know everything evil is a demonstration of how ugly sin is. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's you know that's still a hard thing to wrap your mind around. Again, as as people living in a in a culture that's just bombarded with the secular idea of you know, self-actualization and, mm. um, the goodness of the human spirit, triumph right. of the human spirit. Um, I mean, we even see that in how movies show
1: villains not as bad people in and of themselves but yeah. misguided.
0: Yeah, I hate it so much. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, his his goodness and his power are, are I mean, they're obviously distinct aspects of himself, but they're wrapped up into one thing and, um, if you think about the fact that he is long-suffering, um, but in his in his goodness and power, he gave his son mm-hmm. to die and was the master of ceremonies at that execution. Yeah. Um, that was the greatest evil, and he didn't just permit it, but he planned it. Um, so that,
1: are you saying that God did evil?
0: No, no, of course not.
1: (laughs) Just being, just being clear. Just to be clear. Yeah. Yeah. No,
0: God did not do evil. And he, um, called those who carried out that wickedness to repent in Acts three or yeah.
1: Many of them did by his mercy. Yeah, absolutely. But
0: that's the point. Like, um, he ordained that, that evil will be perpetrated against his son, the son he loved. Mm-hmm. Um, f- so that there would be any any chance, quote unquote, any chance of salvation for anyone at all.
1: Right. Jesus is the only way to the Father.
0: Yeah, either either it all ends in death and perdition, or his son dies.
1: Right, yeah. What Paul talks about in First Corinthians fifteen, like if Jesus doesn't rise from the the dead, then yeah, we those, are we most got, people to be we, pitied. We got, we got nothing. Right, we we're still in our sins. Right, yeah. The Old Testament over and over again with the scapegoats and the bulls and all of these animals that you place your hand on the head of that animal, then slit the throat, basically saying this animal's taken my place. Mm-hmm. Right, all of that pointing to Christ. If Christ then doesn't rise again for our justification as Paul says in Romans then we're not, we're not justified, justified. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we're, we're, then God is not the one who justifies the ungodly right then if anything he's put his son to death and it wasn't enough
0: yeah yeah and that's a tough that's a tough thing to uh that's a tough thing to it's a tough another tough sell I think for Especially for non-believers, I mean, that's not something that is accepted uh, as a defense, really.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's it's difficult. M- my father just preached this Sunday about antichrists, mm-hmm. and that in general they deny some sort of crucial truth, whether it's the deity or humanity, or in some cases other aspects about Christ that are crucial fundamental to our salvation and some of that is kind of connected to it where one, one of the crucial truths that we deny and this is again connected to the mercy of God we diminish the mercy of God by diminishing our sin mm-hmm. um, it's as John said in 1 John if we say we have no sin Make him a liar. Yeah, we make God a liar. And we're deceiving ourselves. Yeah. Um, but that's one of the hardest things to impress upon others. And really, we don't impress that upon others. We declare Christ and him crucified and the Spirit convicts the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. But we still have to tell them the truth in love. Mm-hmm. But that's difficult in a culture that really, is it the Psalms that talk about, or is it the Proverbs that talk, I can't remember, but somewhere it says, you know, calling good evil and evil good. Yeah. When we live in a culture that calls evil good, then sin gets redefined in the eyes of man. We're wise in our own eyes.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Which has been the, I mean, that's not a new thing, obviously. Right. I mean... But yeah, it's tough. It's tough to uh, make any attempt to, uh, you know, talk about God's power and goodness. Uh, in the context of sinners in need of a savior, mm-hmm. that's not a not really a thing, in uh, modern America.
1: No, and that won't change until Jesus comes back. Correct. No. Well, thanks for entertaining my thoughts on. Yeah, it was good. The mercy of God. The Mondays are kind of my reading days. There's like a handful of different books that I'm either going through with some What are you
0: working on? No, I mean obviously pink. Pink. Speaking of which, by the way, I forgot I was going to say it but it was never the time. I think we I think it's the time. A long time ago I had the idea, you know the uh, the uh, um, gosh, what's the like lingerie store in the malls? With Victoria all the- Secret. Victoria Secret. Oh. <clears throat> um, <laughs> you know how like one of their slogans is "Love Pink."
1: I don't know their. Slogans. Well, you've
0: seen you've seen the sweatpants with "Pink" written on the butt. Yes, okay. actually, I
1: have. I have.
0: Yeah, so I <laughs> was. I thought I I still think it'd be a great idea to make T shirts that say "Love Pink" and have like. A a picture of the bust of A.W. Pink on him. And then, like, make a whole line of sweatpants with pink on the butt. But, like, have his his profile. Yeah, like, or A.W. Pink on the butt. (laughs) (laughs) It'd be so great. They'd sell, like,
1: hotcakes. They, you know, it's a niche market. (laughs) It's very niche. But, you know,
0: there's a chance. What you're
1: telling me is. There's a chance. There's a chance. Oh, it'd be so great. Um,. Yeah, A W Pink, uh, phenomenal theologian. Um, from what I've read, not a phenomenal father. Oof,
0: he was also a little tough in the in the creation, the the creation, his beliefs on creation. I think. Right,
1: but his attributes of God book, I do. Highly I didn't recommend know to. he
0: wasn't a great father. That's tough.
1: Yeah, there was a different book that I was reading that. That unpacked a little bit about the reality that you can be a really good theologian but still a terrible father.
0: Yeah, there are. F- I think there's there are several, well, probably more than several examples of theologians that right weren't great husbands and fathers.
1: Right, um, as as Paul says, knowledge can puff up, yeah. but love builds up, and so we must not forsake love uh, in that. But. Uh, what I'm working on right now, there's there's a handful of books. Uh, Attributes of God is one. I'm going through Worship Matters by Bob Coughlin again. Okay. Um, with somebody else going through, um, well, the matters of worship. Play on words, worship matters, huh? Mm. Uh, but worship also does matter. And then another book on encouragement. Okay. Uh, which is really cool. Just having a really intense, focused detailed look on, like, what does the scripture say about encouragement? And how vital is encouragement to the Christian life? And it is surprising. Spoiler alert. It's vital. It's vital. As the the owner, uh, founder of Chick-fil-A would say, how do you know someone needs encouragement? They're breathing. They're breathing.
0: Is that really the quote?
1: That's literally the quote.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, Makes sense. And then there's another book on I'm um, uh, going through Watchfulness, again, for the sake of a, a catalog oh, yeah. I'm mm-hmm. doing. Um, then there's a gospel workbook I'm walking through somebody with that's walking through, um, I think by Paul David Tripp. Okay. Um, that it's kind of like a fill in the blank. Kind of mean mustache on that guy. That man, his mustache game is strong. Strong. Um, and then, what was it? A.W. Pink, Worship Matters, Encouragement. There was another book. So
0: on a Monday, you said Mondays are your reading days. Right. Are you basically? I mean, are you reading all day?
1: Not all day. What
0: kind of what kind of schedule do you keep for for that kind of thing?
1: So Mondays is a mix of things. Um, the first portion of the day, before like work actually starts, uh, is of course like devotion slash exercise, reading things like that, um, prayer. But the first half of the day is visitation administration. So this morning okay. I reached out to someone who filled out one of our Connect cards. And what I usually do is, first of all, just introduce myself because I'm usually a number they don't recognize. Yeah. Just a random stranger. We're trying to reach you about your car's extended warranty. Yeah. Um, not really. Not me. Um, and then uh, offer to help them in any way, either to connect them to 411 if they want to know more about the church, or if they're interested in Bible studies, usually they indicate what they want on okay. the Connect card, but this time they didn't, so I just kind of gave them a swath of, I'm your humble servant, Right. let me serve you in any way if you so desire, um, admin administration through that, then it's usually Bible study prep slash sermon prep, um, if I happen to have a sermon that I need to be preparing for, which I do in a couple weeks. Ooh. So I began um, praying on meditating on First John three eleven through twenty four. Okay. And did that till about eleven. Um, so nine to nine thirty is is visitation admin stuff. Um, also try to ponder like, should we have a greater team or not? Oof. Because our intake of connect cards is really haphazard. Sure. Um, but at the same time with the greeter team, how do you keep people from, say there's a visitor visiting for the first three weeks in a row, how do you keep that visitor team from reaching out to the same person?
0: <laughs> yeah, it sounds like a, quite a, it sounds like a trilemma is what it sounds a like. A trilemma. Um, so with, right, right. yeah, with keeping up with, with reading all this stuff, you've got to be pretty strict and regimented, I would imagine. Yeah. Or does it, does it lend itself to um to your your general rhythms of of studying it, it,
1: it does it, it does and that like so literally from 1 pm to 3 pm is just blocked off reading time hmm. because there's like four or five books that I'm reading a chapter a week in Yeah that doesn't time.
0: actually seem like that that much time that seems very doable. It's very manageable yeah.
1: but it, it does take at least about an hour and a half Sure. To get through that. Where depending on the chapters, depending on how long it is, you're actually... And it's not just reading it, but I have to digest it. And I have to be able to take that information and then usually I'm leading someone yeah. through that book. So it's not just, oh, well, let me just read it. Or it's
0: just, writing... I mean, if you're doing watchfulness, it's right. writing a whole course. Like that's a whole other time commitment, I'm sure.
1: That's that's more mentally taxing than reading in and of itself because having to... I I don't want to just say, well, this is what the book says. I want to be able to distill that in my own words and also be able to helpfully, hopefully add things to it. Um, But then also on Mondays, there's also just some... just Fifth Commandment honoring your father and mother where every Monday I mow my parents' lawn. Nice. So I have to budget time for that, um, and then also I usually take that time to then go for a run. At the same time, to just stay healthy. This today was my, gotta go fast day as I mentioned before. Gotta go fast. Um, but you'd be surprised at, that's, it doesn't feel or sound like a lot of times, but but before I know it, I'm like I've I've made it through my day, and i have like okay, all I've done is read. But then other portions of my day throughout the week depend are, on depend on me making yeah. sure I make Monday the time of, like, I've got to get this reading done. Yeah. Because then I'm trying to pour into others through discipleship or counseling. Yeah. Some marriage counseling, some counseling from someone else from another church. Others, I'm doing an academy course for it. Like, there's there's just more than that. That feeds itself into the rest of my week. Yeah. Where it feels like really like I I'm think, just reading. Yeah, but-,
0: but I think reading. I mean, it, just in general, like reading is foundational to thinking. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. like, and obviously, thinking is foundational to other things. Um, yeah, like you, you must if you're going to be conversant or helpful on a topic, you must read. It's, it's the yeah. non-negotiable. I,
1: I had a professor who would say, theology informs our philosophy, which informs our methodology. Yes.
0: And so... That's a good That's a good through line.
1: It, it is. It is. So what you believe about God informs how you think about the world, mm-hmm. which then informs what you do. Yep. That's basically what that means. And so, even just personally, I'm trying to grow... Now, I'm not just trying to lead others through these things, but even as I'm sometimes with books I've already read, I'm refreshing myself on these things so that I'm able to take these and practically run with them and help others take their theology. Because one thing that people don't, most people don't realize is that you're always acting on your theology. 100%. What you believe about God... 100% informs how you live Everything your life. Everything about you, yeah. And that even means if you don't believe there's a God, because mm-hmm. that's your theology. right? That there is no mm-hmm. God. So that's informing. Which is a terrible you. theology. Which is awful theology, but still, that's informing how you're living your life. So. Yeah, absolutely. Anyway, so Mondays is, is um, kind of like a foundational day, mm-hmm. uh, where then that informs the rest of my week, because most of it is then also then intentional one-on-one discipleship yep. throughout the week based off of those books.
0: That's awesome. That's a lot of work to uh, be faithful in, in uh, not just discipling people. I mean, that's, that's a lot of work itself, but making sure that, again, that you're, you're reading and praying and working through uh, the theology and the content too actually be helpful and not just
1: say words the, the humbling reality of it is um, again I'm just quoting another professor that that says that we're just the product of the people that pour into us mm. um, like we, we never have an original idea true in our entire life.
0: Sometimes we think we do though. We think we do like the sweatpants right the,
1: like, <laughs> yes. Like the sweatpants. And in some sense, yes, we might actually have some sort of original idea. But in terms of biblical truth, Mm -hmm. we're not doing anything that's new. Um, And as Charles Spurgeon once said, uh, he who does not utilize the brain of others... Mm-hmm. Doesn't have a brain himself.
0: <laughs> what a champ!
1: Right? What? 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 A bro. Good bro. Good old Spurs. World but, class bro. But um, in that vein, I often just feel like all I'm doing is regurgitating information. Yeah. That others have learned, and that I'm learning myself.
0: Yeah, but you're offering your brain to other people, mm. and your heart. Mm. And we're all better for it, Matthew Carpenter. <sighs> Thanks like, for coming tonight.
1: Hey, thank you for having me. I, yeah. I love this,
0: and I love you. I love you too, man. What to do you do more often?
1: M- more than more than the reality that's a podcast. I just when you asked me, the first thought that came to my brain was, I get to talk with David Music. <laughs> yes, I miss that man. Good. That's
0: a good. That's uh, that's great to hear. I'm glad that you enjoy talking to me because I enjoy talking to you. Yeah, I so small confession. I had wanted to invite you back on the podcast for a long time, but I had this idea to um, record a song with you oh. as part of the podcast. What? That yeah. sounds awesome. It does sound awesome, but it's about springtime, and I wanted to do it w- when springtime was, oh. was in full flourish, and I, I fear we have missed the boat. Oh.
1: Um, I'm so Sorry. We might, maybe
0: we'll do it anyway. I, the thing is, I, I started, I recorded, I recorded it, and I was gonna send it to you so that you could. Do you have the, a guitar? I do.
1: Right now. I do. I could sing something. Well, no, I mean, not, we're not gonna do it now. It's too late for. I
0: the thing is, I would love to, like, actually learn it. Um. Beforehand. Yeah, independently. Mm. And like both play the guitar, and uh, and sing. It's a great like Irish folk song. It's phenomenal. Dude, we need to do that. Okay, I'll 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 get it. I'll yeah, I'll send it to you. Anyway, thanks for coming. Um, really Thank glad, really glad we did it. Um, we'll do it again. Yeah, sure. please. Yeah, I thoroughly enjoyed talking to you.
1: Thank.
0: You. All right. Good night, everybody.
1: Bye, guys. I can hear her.